Hey guys, we are Emma and Jessica and welcome to our podcast, the MSR Files, an X-Files podcast. In this episode, we're going to go over Red Museum. We'll go through it scene by scene and discuss while interjecting with our own thoughts. Hope you enjoy. one was written by Chris Carter and directed by Wynne Phelps. So we open up with the super saying G-A-S-D Beef Delta Glen, Wisconsin. And we open up on a, like a, what you can call it, like a slaughterhouse or meat factory place. Mm -hmm. There's just lots of like dead cows' bodies getting like sawed apart. It's very triggering for a vegetarian. It's not good. (laughs) I was just like, oh, this is awful. And basically they're all working and then there's two horns that go, which I'm guessing means like the end of the shift. And we see a uh, woman walking out and the guy says, like, oh, see you tomorrow, Beth. She says, see you tomorrow. So then we cut to Beth's house and her son is lying on the couch watching TV and it's a police show. And they're, like, taking people out of the house. So it's like a crack den. And, of course, both the people are black that are coming mm-hmm. out because, you know, it's yep. casual racism. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the man on the TV is going on about this crack house and Beth announces that she's home. And her son's just like, oh, hey. And she's like, that's all I get, hey? And he's like, hey, mum. <laughs> like, how's that unit any yeah. better? Like, but not like, how's your day been or anything? So she says that she's going to have a quick shower and asks if they're interested in getting a pizza delivered. And her eldest son just kind of grunts. And she's like, if that means yes, call an order and no pepperoni for her. So she closes the bathroom door and takes her blouse off. And then you can see there's like a guy with glasses on peeping from like behind the mirror, breathing mm-hmm. heavily. It's very creepy, very, very trigger- triggering again. Like one of those like things you don't even in the back of your mind when you're home alone. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then so the phone goes in the living room and the eldest son answers it and he says he's just like, Oh, okay, sure, no problem, and hangs it up. And then he grabs his brother's nose with two fingers. And his little boy was like, ow. It's so weird. And it's like, who the fuck does this? And he's just such a dick. And he says, tell mom I'll be back in five minutes. Okay, buck crumb. <laughs> and leaves. I'm convinced that none of these people have brothers or sisters. Yeah, they have no idea how they interact. <laughs> like, don't be wrong. Like, when we were having arguments, I remember my brother like threw a pair of scissors at me and shit like that but I'm like just randomly grabbing each other's nose and like shit like that yeah. like I wouldn't do that but yeah this is this is what goes on so then we cut to later on and we see Beth the mum is on the phone while our younger son is lying on her lap and she's like saying that he said he was only going to be gone for five minutes and that was over four hours ago she says she doesn't know who called him and the last person to see him was his younger brother and to be fair younger brother is probably glad that he's gone <laughs> he's like ready to throw a party he's yeah. like planning the whoop, guest whoop. list like thank god this guy's gone so then we cut to the morning time and we see that Gary is going through the forest he's only got his underwear on he's got his tight whiteies on and he's like really scared kind of whimpering running around the, the woods and he stumbles onto a road where we see the two like police officers driving by and they stop when they see him and the police officer seems to notice him like they see Gary, Gary Kane and he doesn't answer them so one of the police officers tells the other one to go grab a blanket and then he tries to grab onto his shoulders and says like it's going to be okay we're going to help you and he breaks free from the hold and just like turns to go and on his back is written he is one and the police officer is just like oh my god mm-hmm. 
And then we get the theme tune. Spooky. So then we cut to the FBI office headquarters. It's the X-Files office. It's an FBI. What am I trying to say? It's the FBI headquarters, Washington, D.C. Ooh, yeah. Funnily yeah. enough. Still there. Still there. Not moved. Yep. <laughs> Mulder is showing Scully a slideshow, of course, because it's his favourite thing yep. to do. He's so glad that she's back so he can show her a good slideshow again. Mm-hmm. And you see the picture with the words, he is one, written on Gary's back. Mulder says that it's Gary Kane, 16 years old, high school junior, a C student. <laughs> so obviously he's there. Why does that matter? <laughs> Just joking, if you're a C student, that's fine. <laughs> Everyone's got their strengths. First string varsity football, member of the local 4-H club. Don't know what that means. No clue. He says, not one of Wisconsin's more re- remarkable kids, but still the apple of his mother's eye. And loving Scully's like, jacket and suit. Mm, really it's a like, good oh, look. Yeah. Scully asks what I mean, like the he is one means, and Mulder says, nobody knows. And Scully asks, what does the police report say? And Muller says the victim received a phone call and left his home. He was discovered in his woods in his underwear 12 hours later. He's been unable to give a coherent statement. Scully asks if there's any evidence of sexual assault. And she gets told no. And then she asks, does it seem like it might have been a schoolboy prank? And Muller says the other victims have had been sedated and hospitalised during their ordeal. Or after their ordeal, I guess. And says they were reportedly hysterical with fear. Scully's question is whether there's been others. And then Mulder tells her one in eastern Wisconsin, one three t- and one three times away. So he goes like to her slides on the slideshow and shows that they both had the he is one written on the back of them. Scully asks what Mulder's interest is in this and he says that the local sheriff in Delta Glen, Wisconsin, thinks he knows what's been happening to these kids. Scully's like, so what? <laughs> and he says he thinks they've been possessed. <laughs> like, of course, that's the logical conclusion. Yeah. So then we cut to Delta Glen, Wisconsin. And we see Mulder and Scully driving with the sheriff and the sheriff says, there's something I think you ought to see first. They call themselves the Church of the Red Museum. They're followers of a guy named Odin that moved out here from California three years ago and bought a ranch. And Scully's like, what's the significance of the name Red Museum? And the sheriff says, well, Odin and the rest of them are a bunch of vegetarians. How dare they? <laughs> they drove. God forbid. They drove the ranch right into the ground. Turned five hundred head of beef cattle into pets. Call it a monument to the barbarism. And what is it like? This guy seems so pissed off, and I'm like, Hi. how does it affect you if they yeah. decided to buy the cow that? They, so they own the cattle, mm. and then they decided not to slaughter them. Yeah. What's that got to do with you, pal? Exactly. They're their cattle. That's such a strange attitude. Yeah, I know. So Mulder was like, probably went over big with the local ranchers. Sheriff laughs and says, you gotta admit, it takes some big ones to sit down in the middle of cow country and start a church like this. I didn't realise that Wisconsin was cow country. Neither did that. I thought... I thought it was like the Midwest that was all yeah. like very cattle. Oh, oh, that was quick. Pizza here. Like I was saying, Wisconsin. Didn't know that was cow country. <laughs> Well, that was the Midwest. Then we cut to Church of the Red Museum, Delta Glen, Wisconsin. So they pull up outside of like this big massive barn and there's people dressed in like white, I'm trying to call them, like just white clothing, like trousers yeah. and a shirt. Yeah. Like baggy trousers, shirt thing. And they're all wearing red turbans, which is great cultural appropriation. <laughs> well done, Chris Carter, for offending <laughs> everyone. So... Mulder, Scully and the sheriff get out of the car and they head into the like barn thing 
And Sheriff comments that they kind of stick out like a sore thumb, don't they? I'm just like, you're such a prejudiced little yeah. fuck it's unbelievable. He's um, the worst. And Scully says, from what little they've seen and what little he's told them, they seem rather unlikely to be involved in this kind of activity that you've described. And Sheriff says, well, I won't say another word. You can just see for yourself. So then they go in and there's a guy who we presume is Odin, like at the front of the thing, and he sits down and starts typing on a computer and a woman starts like writing it out what he's saying, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I don't quite understand. Yeah, I don't get it, well. yeah. And they're all like like chanting, humming, whatever you want to call it. And the sheriff confirms that's Odin. So basically she's writing her, she's writing, she's reading the shit that he's writing. And Mulder comments that they're walkings and Scully asks, what's a walking? And as she does that, like they all start chanting this shit. Like she's saying something, they're chanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mulder says they're believers in soul transference, enlightened spirits who have taken possession from other people's bodies. Um, and again, a similar sh- back and forth between the the women and mm-hmm. the, the congregation. Lots of chat. Yeah. And then the woman notes that today we bear witness to three who do not believe, and she says that they enc- she encourages them to open their hearts and minds to our teachings. That they who slaughter the flesh, slaughter- oh my god. Slaughter their own souls and must be taught the way. And then Mulder kind of cheers a look for the sheriff, like, mm? yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we cut to Beth Kane's house and Gary's there with his mother and the sheriff, Mulder and Scully are there too. And Gary's saying that he only remembers parts of it and Mulder asks which parts and he says that he was in the woods and he felt like a spirit entered him. <laughs> Something by spirit, <laughs> penis. Like, yeah. what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and. Mulder's like, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, Gary. Go explain that one. <laughs> and then he says, it might have been an animal. An animal just penis. <laughs> he can't explain it. Something just came over him. <laughs> it's worse and worse. Oh, dear. So a deer came off. And then Mulder asks if he doesn't remember who called him. And Gary shakes his head. So then we cut to like Scully, who like, leaves the room. And she's like walking down the hallway, looking at some photos that are on the wall. And then she... Excuse me. Runs into the the younger brother, and you can hear Mulder in the next room saying, "Have you ever had any dealings with anyone at the Church of the Red Museum?" And Gary says he's seen them around, but doesn't really have anything to do with them. And he asks if there he has any reason to believe they're involved. And then we're back to Scully, who's outside with the little brother, and you can hear the sheriff saying, "I told tell them what you told me." <laughs> I'm like hmm, leading the witness. Yep. <laughs> So Scully says hi to the wee brother, and he says hi, and she asks who he is. She's very soft, very sweet. Mm-hmm, very cute. Stevie introduces himself, uh, and then she points out, like, oh, you're in all the pictures. And then she's like, you must be Gary's younger brother. And she sa- introduces herself, says she's Dana, and then asks if she he remembers who his brother might have gone out with the night that, you know, all went down. Mm-hmm. The night the deer came on him. <laughs> so <laughs> Stevie shakes his head and Scully asks, did he say anything? And then we can see through the peephole in the mirror again that someone is watching Scully. And then Scully like hears a noise and looks like directly towards the mirror. So mm-hmm. it's like, make sure I contact. And then the man like backs away and you can't see him anymore. So then Scully, I mean, Mulder comes up behind Scully and says they're heading outside. So Sheriff and Mulder leave and Mulder asks the sheriff if Gary's ever been in trouble before and the sheriff says no he's known him since he was a boy and that he's the same as his son he's done a few he's done some beer drinking okay beer drinking that's a weird way to say yeah. it but he's just your basic 16 year old or at least he was and Mulder asks if he sees a noticeable difference in him and he says yep Gary lived for football he's a really good athlete and now he won't even suit up rain is really heavy it's very heavy yeah <laughs> Mulder asks how the Red Museum are treated by the local citizens as Scully comes over to join them 
And the sheriff says, nobody much cares for them. And I'm like, are you just projecting? Mm-hmm. And I think he's he not, but they are all dicks as well. But I'm just like, yeah. how, how could you even trust a word that comes out of this man's mouth? He's yeah. clearly shown to be prejudiced. Mulder asks if they were ever singled out. Do shop owners refuse to sell them the produce and stuff like that? And the sheriff says there's some tension, but most people are, like, are just happy to ignore them. Mulder asks if he can recommend a good hotel and or motel. And the sheriff says, does that mean you're staying for a bit? And asks if he thinks there's something in the case. And Mulder says he wants to run a background check on the church and this guy. And asks if he could recommend like a motel and like, somewhere to eat. Mm-hmm. And the sheriff's just like, you've come to the right place. So then we cut to Clay's barbecue. And Scully and Mulder are sitting at a table with a dead cow on a dead wall. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Yeah. And Scully's like just digging the fuck in. Yeah. <laughs> She's got barbecue sauce all over her face. And she, they're wearing those plastic bib things as well. I've only really seen, mm. what's that lobster place that everyone talks about? Red lobster, I think it's called, yeah. yeah. In America, they always have those plastic bibs. And Scully says, you know, Mulder, ribs like these, I'd say the Church of Red Museum has its work out for it. Because <laughs> apparently having morals and good food, <laughs> you know, excuse that. Tomorrow, <laughs> good fucking ribs are, Scully. <laughs> so as she's saying this, Mulder reaches across the table <laughs> and wipes the sauce off the corner of her mouth. And I'm sorry, what colleague does this? Yeah. But then afterwards, like the eye contact, mm-hmm. they're like literally smiling at each other like yep. fucking idiots like you're making eyes love mm-hmm. and honestly they both literally just want to jump over that table at each other and I'm yeah. just like what was in like this is so it's so weird because it's a Chris Carter episode uh-huh. he wants them to be platonic says he doesn't want them to have a romantic relationship and he allows shit like this yeah. like apparently this was like an ad lib but it can't have been because of the way the camera angles are done Oh, true. But it might have been like, maybe like they did it in one shot and they mm-hmm. thought that's quite good, let's do that again and yeah. get decent camera angles for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, why would you allow that if you're always like, they're platonic, they're platonic. Aye, they're not in a relationship. it's so obvious. It's so romantic. Yep. It's, and like, just the way they're looking at each other, like it's, there's no other way to read that other than like, I want to fuck you, by yeah. the way, <laughs> in case yep. you haven't noticed. So, love. yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> like, I was like, you want to fuck, you're like, they're in love. <laughs> but yeah. It's amazing though. Uh huh. It's such I can a good scene. Watch it on oh. repeat for a whole day. Like this episode is just uh, it's but garbage. This scene, but this one scene, this is worth scene. it all for this one scene. Yeah, not even scene, just that little split moment. Yeah, oh, him doing okay. that, and then Hart is looking. I'm like a and then little smile, oh. little smile. Oh. So then Scully's like trying to collect her thoughts. She's like, oh my god. <laughs> She's like, She's like oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you start to tell me about walk-ins, but I'm not sure if I grasp the finer points. Mulder says it's kind of a new age religion based on an old idea that if you lose hope or despair and want to leave this mortal coil, you become open and vulnerable. Scully clarifies to inhabit a new spirit or to be inhabited by a new spirit. And Mulder says a new enlightened spirit. According to the literature, Abe Lincoln was a walk-in. So was Gorbachev and Charles Colson, Nixon's advisor. And then Scully's like, but not Nixon? <laughs> And Mulder says, no, not even they wanted to claim next. <laughs> Fair. So Scully asks him if he's still subscribing to the sheriff's claims of possession. Then Mulder's like, don't know what another plausible explain- explanation is. And it's a novel theory. I'm just like, how is possession a plausible theory? Yeah. Only if you're Mulder. Yep. Scully says, well, I'll tell you something. I kind of feel weird saying this. And then you see Mulder looking out the window and... We see like one of the guy, like a young boy from the Red Museum walking by and there's a car driving by in the opposite direction who starts shouting at him. Mm-hmm. Scully says that the housekeeper creeps, as in Beth Kane's house, she got the creeps while she was in the house. Mm-hmm. And Mulder asks, really? 
And then we hear like the teacher, the the kids in the car shouting to the guy, calling him a towel head. And she says, yeah, and then asks what's going on. Because you can see like mother looking out the window. So then the jeep that the kids are in makes like a U-turn and goes back to like yell at the, the kid again. They call him a veggie burger. They're like, oh, what an insult. And Mulder says, I think the sperm pots they just throw them to time, which I don't think I was like, okay, no. So then we cut to outside where the teenagers all got out of the car and they're all being absolute dickheads to this boy. Yep. They're calling him a diaper head, asking where his pet cow is, calling him Aladdin, just all sorts of things. Yeah. Start pushing him around. And Mulder comes out and says, hey, leave him alone. And then tells the kids to go home. And like they keep like being dick stomach. And Mulder's yeah. like, you got a problem? And the girl is he's like, yeah, ah, it's got to be yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, like, okay. Oh, okay. He's like, I see four against one. I got a problem. I love how you act all hard next to like teenagers, but if that'd be an adult, you'd be like, oh, not a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Scully comes out, and one of them tells like the blonde-haired boy tells um, why don't you run run along with a little wife? And <laughs> as Scully's like putting her jacket on, the girl notices that Scully has a gun and points out the fact that she's got a gun. And the boy says, "What's going to?" They shoot us I'll call my dad I think he'd like to hear about this Mulder asks who his dad is and the boy says he's the sheriff and then Mulder's like yeah I think he would like yeah, to hear about this bring him on down I can just point out as well the height difference on this yeah it's oh, fucking perfection then the other teenagers tell the boy to get out of there the boy that's the son of the mayor, sheriff I keep saying mayor instead of sheriff <laughs> and like they go away and then Scully says kind of hard to tell the villains without a scorecard that's like no I think it's quite obvious who yeah. these are like, these there's kids. only one people that are being arsehole <laughs> so then we see the sheriff's son drop off girl who's clearly his girlfriend they're like making out it's very long and unnecessary uh-huh. voyeurism from Chris Carter yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. so finally says bye to him and then she walks towards her house and she hears like a dog whimpering so she goes to see it and it's called Pupper Dog which I'm like is yeah. that his name or is the nickname I don't know so she starts petting the dog and it's just is this blue? Is this David's not dog? Not that dog. Not that dog. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's pretty similar to Blue. And as she's talking to the dog, a man's hand comes out and reaches and grabs her, holding like a cloth to her mouth. So I'm assuming it's like chloroform mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> and he drags her away. Then we cut to the morning where we see Katie sobbing. And well, she's just like stumbling through the woods, yeah. crying. And she's just in her underwear. Not doing well. And then there's like, some crows in a tree like they're like he sees in her head as we're like mm-hmm. right at her and then mm-hmm. she falls to the ground and then there's like bugs crawling all over mm-hmm. and she turns around and then we can see that she's got she is one right on her so then we cut to the motel where Mulder and Scully are staying and Mulder isn't on the phone he's on the phone to Eddie this time mm, Eddie yeah, don't know who Eddie mix is. Mix it up yeah mix it up he says see what you can find on him from the NCIC and call me back and Scully comes in and says that she's just examined the girl. Mulder asks what she, she found. And she says, not much, but the toxicology report came back. They found trace amounts of an unspecified alkaloid substance in her blood. Possibly an opiate derivative, as well as a dangerously large quantity of something called scopolamine. Mulder asks if it's the stuff that you take for motion sickness and she's like yeah but only in small doses anything past two micrograms and you've got a very powerful anesthetic with hallucinogenic qualities she says it's been in use lately because colombian gangs have been using it in kidnappings due to no in kidnappings to subdue their victims Mulder asks if it's a controlled drug and she says yes you'd probably have to be a doctor or a pharmacist to get hold of it so then she says that richard Odin, also known as... No, sorry. Mulder hands her the bit of paper that he's been writing on. 
during a phone call. <laughs> so it got me again. And it's so hard for you not seen it. Yeah. So she reads what he's written and it says Richard Oden, also known as Doug Herman. Like, I love how all these people always have like the worst, like, <laughs> yeah. regular, like the most boring names. And you're just like, oh, okay, mate. Just want to be special, don't you? Yep. Left AMA in 1986 over questionable ethics a questionable ethics inquiry and did not renew his license. So Mulder puts on his jacket and says he'll drive. So then we cut to Richard Oden's house and I don't know why, but they've got like war like running. It's basically a hose. It's just like war mm-hmm. running down and it looks so funny. But it doesn't even look like it's raining outside for a no. change. Like it looks like it's been raining, but it doesn't yeah. look like it's raining. I'm just like, why make it look like the rain's so heavy? Like why is it even important if it's raining and shots? Yeah. Strange choice. I never really paid weird. attention to it before, but just mm-hmm. when I write my notes, uh, I noted it there. So they knock on the door and a woman answers. It's the woman that was in the church being out the computer ship. So Mulder says that he's Special Agent Fox Mulder and that they're with the Federal Bureau of Investigations and they'd like to speak to Odin and ask if he's in. And then Richard Odin appears. Mulder says he'd like to question him and ask to come in. And Richard, yeah, his name is Richard, yeah. but Odin holds up his hands and says that they can't come into their house. Scully asks what if they get a warrant and he says you can get a warrant if you'd like but you will not enter this building. Mulder asks why and Odin says because you're a dirty little meteor. <laughs> <laughs> and he says the building uh, houses or kitchens cannot be desecrated by your presence and he believes he's well within his religious rights to prevent it and Scully's like yeah but you can't hide behind your rights. Um, if a crime's been committed and he <laughs> says have I been accused of a crime and then his little congregation come and are like oh Mm. appear from nowhere yeah it just appear from the mist yeah. <laughs> fucking weirdos and Mulder asks him to step outside because he's under arrest so then we cut to the sheriff's station Odin's sitting across the interrogation table from Scully and the sheriff and Mulder are standing behind her and again for the people in the back Mulder's got his hands on his hips because he's a hoe oh. so Scully asks if Odin is familiar with a substance called scoplamine. We don't know if that's how you say that. (laughs) Can't remember. And he says it's a growth hormone and an inhumane treatment of beef and dairy cow. And Mulder says, just answer the question. And I'm like, no. (laughs) He won't make his point. (laughs) So Odin says, yes, I know it, but I've never prescribed or administered it. She asks if he's ever ordered others to do so, and he says no. Mulder asks if his religious beliefs preclude him, him from exacting revenge either physically or Physically, I says physically or physically. Physically or psychologically, maybe? Mm. Or emotionally? Can't remember. Basically, he asks if his religious beliefs prevent him from exacting revenge on those who might not share his beliefs. Odin says the barbarians will one day be cleansed from this earth. And then the sheriff, like, goes fucking schizo and says, <laughs> yeah. answer the question, you did it, didn't you? You did something to those kids. Mother grabs the sheriff and is like, fuck's sake, I've already had to do this for your kids. Yeah. Like, get your shit together. And tells him to take a walk and puts him outside. As the door's closing, like, we hear someone saying to the sheriff, can you come here for a second? So Mulder says to Odin, you know, for a holy man, you've got quite a knack for pissing people off. <laughs> so then the sheriff comes back in and says, we've got some problems downtown. So we cut outside to, we see, like, the Red Museum people standing in the middle of the road and they're outside Clay's Barbecue restaurant place and they're all like chanting they're basically just protesting against the sale of the meat and then the kids come in the jeep and so the sheriff's son basically storms over with a bucket of cow blood and chucks it over them because he's a wee fucking fanny (laughs) can't wait for the scene where he dies (laughs) (laughs) so the sheriff like arrives and grabs his son and is like what the hell are you doing get out of here instead of being like oh you can't do that I'm going to put you under arrest because this is fucking a law abiding society he just lets him go yeah this is his son so then an old man like catches 
eyes with Scully and like kind of beckons her over. So Scully goes over Mulder and he asks if they're the FBI agents. They say yes and he says there's something he'd like to show them. So we cut to them in his car or in his truck. And I love how Mulder puts himself between like the old guy and Scully. Mm -hmm. He's like, listen, you're a stranger. Yeah. And I will protect my Scully. So yeah. I will sit in the middle and block you. <laughs> Very cute. So they stop at a cattle farm and they get out to look at, like, they stand at a gate. Not a gate, what's called a fence. And the old man says, This pasture land belonged to my granddad. He bought it in 19. No, he bought it in 1890. Died right over there next to the cattle pen. Good for him. Just fell off the tractor one morning. He says his dad worked this piece of, oh God, worked this piece for the next 40 years and he put in 25 years himself before deciding to call it quits and he sold it for 80 times, 80 times what his granddad paid. Did I just play back for a second there? I don't know, did it? I just feel like I heard myself, but maybe not. Scully asked why he sold it and he said that the business changed and he says people changed to, and he asked what, and what, Mulder asks him what way, and he says the competition. They used to be able to get by with 50 cows, now you have to have 500. And then they used to turn them out to pasture, and now they just keep them up in little pens and grain feed them because they're bastards. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Scully's like, You said you wanted to show something, and the old man's like, You're looking at it. And then he points at two men that have got like a cow in like a little pen thing. I don't know what that's called, like a little bit to hold it. Mm-hmm. He says, See those men over there? They're injecting the cow with something called BST, bovine som- somatrop. Somatotrophin. Somatotrophin. Bovine somatotrophin. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll go with that. Yeah. BST. Yeah. So (laughs) Scully says a genetically engineered growth hormone because apparently Scully's all about her cows. (laughs) So ah, she's a doctor, I guess. eh? So I'll let her off of that. The old man says, yep, they shoot them up so that the cows will produce 10% more milk and they feed it to the beef cattle so that they all get more meat on the hoof. So it changed the business, changed a lot of things. Scully asks how he means and he says, well, kafarful in town. Today, he's like, 10 or, or even 5 years ago, never would have happened. People around here have changed, gotten mean, spiteful, dog eat dog. He says they had 7 rapes last year, all by high school boys. And he says all this, like, the business of the kids getting found in the woods, thinks that They'll find it all comes down to the root source of the BSD. Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, the growth hormone? And Will Man's like, yep. So Scully says the hormones have been proven safe though and they've been cleared by the FDA. And old man kind of just like tuts and like, by who? Yeah. The government? <laughs> gone. And then he walks away. And then Mulder and Scully kind of share a look and they look towards the two men. And then we see that one of the men that's there like shooting up cows is the guy that we have been seen looking for the people. McGee. Peeps McGee. So we cut to nighttime on the farm. Plane is flying over. It's carrying a doctor who looks very nervous and he's hugging his briefcase. And the pilot says that they're losing pressure and that they're not going to make it to the airport. He says that he's going to have to put it down somewhere. And as he goes to put it down, the plane crash lands and it explodes. <laughs> just goes right up good job yeah that was no miracle on the Hudson. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so in the morning there's now cut to the crash site and there's like firemen policemen they're all going around like surveying the scene and stuff there Scully and the sheriff walk through and he says that he's still trying to ID the pilot Scully asks about the second body and he says that that is Dr. Gerald Larson he delivered my kid something and that there's something else over here I want you to see so he leads him over to the briefcase that the doctor was carrying it's cracked open and when Mulder lifts it with his pen he sees that it's filled with money and it has some vials in it as well Mulder says that it looks like the doctor may have been delivering more than baby and <laughs> And the sheriff says, that's why I brought you out here. So Scully takes a wee pouch out from the briefcase and unzips it. She holds like she holds it in a rubber glove and she takes out a vial and gives it a wee sniff. <laughs> 
pretty much. Mulder asks if Jeff has any clue what this is about, and he says, no idea. Jerry Larson was a pillar of this community. He was the last of the, the country doctors. And Mulder says, well, wherever he was coming from, I'd say that it was one hell of a house call. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. The sheriff asks if, you know, the sheriff says, you don't think this has anything to do about what like to do with what happened to those kids and Scully says that she just think they, they will know more once they find out what this is and she holds up the vial so we cut to the like the motel room Scully's in she's on the phone I'm speaking to someone on the phone and she's like oh, from her end of the conversation we hear oh you're sure both kids and she's like oh no like it's okay like I'm sure you're correct thank you very much so she hangs up and then Mr. Meme walks in he's like scully you're not gonna believe this (laughs) so scully says you find a connection between the out-of-town kids and the kids abducted here every one of them was delivered and treated through childhood by dr larson Mulder says that yep the prints out the printouts we found in the briefcase are mostly shipping orders along with a list of credit card numbers each number corresponding to a card in the victim's family Scully asks why he would carry a list of credit card numbers Mulder says i don't know maybe to track them the way credit card companies track stolen cards and scully's like but why like what, what was he treating them for and Mulder counters, what was he treating them with? Ooh. Scully says that she doesn't know. They won't get the test results back on the vial till tomorrow. Are you thinking it might be bovine growth hormone? Mulder says that I know that was the first thing through both our minds, Scully, but it just doesn't track. Not with the, that briefcase full of cash. And Scully says, I know, it still doesn't answer the question of who's marking those kids or why. So we cut to, we're back in the field with a cattle farm and some members of the Red Museum are walking through the pasture and we, in the foreground, there's the man who was injecting the cows before he opens up the gate and lets the cow out. And good old Creeps McGee's with him mm-hmm. and they're like packing up and he asks if you'll see him in the morning. The other guy says, yep, 8.30 sharp and watches the creepy guy leave. As he's pulling out, a blue car pulls up and the guy stops and like watches him come in. They might make some like weird touchy eye contact. It's very strange. <laughs> and then the guy just kind of like, Ooh, okay, and then just drives off. So when the guy in the blue car stops, the guy with the needle greets him and then it's basically just executed. Yeah. Right, this guy just shot point blank and he just gets in his car and drives off. Bye, <laughs> Yep, bye, bitch. We cut to Beth Kane's house. She is taking out the bins when Mulder and Scully pull up. She apologises that they have come unannounced. And Beth answers by saying that Gary's not home right now. Scully says, I actually want to talk with you if that's okay. And then inside, she and Beth are both sitting down, except for Mulder, who's standing kind of like off to side. Beth says that she doesn't know what to say. So you think Dr. Larson was doing some kind of tests on Gary? And Scully asks her... If she could think back, was there anything that seemed strange to you? Was Gary strange to you? Was Gary sick often? And Beth says, No, actually, Gary's never been sick a day in his life. And Cat Mulder's just like, Gary was never sick. Uh-huh. Like, what the fuck? And she's like, No. And she doesn't think this is strange. Wait, yeah, no, that's so weird. Like, kids are ill fucking constantly. Yeah. Scully asked why he was going to Dr. Larson. She says that he gave him vitamin shots, he gave them to a lot of kids, and he said that it was like treating their teeth with fluoride as a preventative measure. Mulder asks if they ever took Gary to another doctor, and she says that no, but Jay had wanted to. Scully asks if Jay's her husband, and he says yes, he was concerned that Gary wasn't growing. Jay was 6'5", and he wanted Gary to play college ball. Mulder kiss kind of looks away and looks towards the bathroom, as Beth goes on to say, but then there was Jay's accident. Scully asks what the accident was, and Mulder just kind of like notices something and walks towards the, uh, the bathroom. Always. So Mulder is walking towards the bathroom and he notices like a little pinhole of light through the mirror. How he noticed that from that far yeah, away? So I don't know. He sees like a little bit of light coming through it, doesn't he? Yeah, but he doesn't even have like 20-20 vision, so how could he have seen that? 
Like, I know he wears glasses to read, but still. He's, he's uh, farsighted, though. I know, but still that tiny little, <laughs> tiny little bit. Isn't the distance. Yeah. <laughs> That's where his vision lies. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, Beth goes on to say that it was seven years ago. He worked at the packing plant. He had an accident with one of the machines. So both she and... I'm assuming that we've to assume from that, like, he wanted to take him to another doctor so they killed him off. Probably. They probably heard him saying that he wanted to go, yeah. And then they were just like, nope. <laughs> Time to die. <laughs> Time to... <laughs> Goodbye. But Mulder, like, they, they both pause, and Mulder is like quietly, like, mm, like, excuse me, sorry, like, what is this? So they walk <laughs> into the bathroom, and Mulder holds up his hand, and the light from the pinhole through the glass shines on it. And Abess, like, no, like, she's like, what? She's like, I don't know what that is. So Mulder turns on the lights and looks through the peep, like, looks towards the peephole, and he says that he thinks there's something back there. So he punches through the mirror with just a Just breaks her mirror. Yeah. Just punches right through it. You could have, like, dismantled it or yeah. taken it off the wall, but no, just punches through it. And behind it, the a light hanging up, and there's, like, a video camera with loads of videotape. Gully asks, what is it? And Mulder says, oh, looks like somebody's, somebody's private little movie studio. <laughs> and to say this in this woman's house, like in her bathroom, yeah, like, exactly. come on, Mulder. <laughs> like, uh, sorry to break it to you, but someone's been perving on you for like yeah. God knows how long. And he's like, no, I'm just gonna make a stupid little joke, joke instead. That, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they all look in, and Beth is horrified. <laughs> So we cut back out to Delta Glen and Rick and his friend are in the car. They're like just sitting in the car in a clearing, just getting drunk. They're listening to music and one says, uh, so his friend says that, oh, he's like, I'm, I gotta go pee. And he just kind of looks towards Rick and he's just like, well, what do you want? Permission? Yeah. <laughs> like, this sounds like the worst friendship in the world. Yeah. And then they just kind of like, ha ha ha, laugh it off. So he goes off. And while he is alone, Rick is like hit with the cloth to sedate him and then when his friend comes back Rick is missing from the car. So cut to the morning and there's a bunch of sheriff deputies who are standing over Rick's body and his friend is still there like off to the side. The sheriff pulls up and starts walking towards him but one of the deputies walks over and says like we're going to find out who did this to him and he kind of like realises what's going on and he starts freaking out and he's like get away from him get back and Rick is face down on the ground with the words he's one written on his back like the others but he is dead so there's a bullet wound in his forehead. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> he deserved it, but he deserved, he deserved it. it. He did. So, at the same time, um, the man who... He's the man that shot Deep Throat, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. That's the crew cut man. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. Right, so, the crew cut man walks out of the woods and over to his car. He throws the gun in the boot and slams it shut and goes to the door. At the same time, Scully and Mulder are driving down the road. And Scully is looking at a folder with a picture of a man called Gerd Thomas, which is Creeps McGee. Creeps McGee. She says that he's owned the building for 21 years. He used to run a, day- a daycare centre out of it and that they're holding him for us. So the crew cut man pulls up onto the road. Daycare service? A daycare centre. Oh, that's like, a, in, like an outpatient. Like a crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's like an outpatient. I was thinking like a crash. But I, think that, so I think that's what it is, yeah. Who would leave her child with him? No, I wouldn't. I took one look at him and was like, fuck you. <laughs> is it that or does it mean like a like a doctor's doctor? Because he's a doctor. Was he? I mean, he's not a doctor, is he? No. He kind of plain that was a doctor. Yeah. Maybe it does mean like a crash then. Who like would leave crash? their child with this uh-huh. fucking weirdo? Like a crash or like a child minor yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Just looking after kids. I don't know why you would. I'd take one look at him and just be like, nope. Oh, I just leave my kid <laughs> yeah. in the car. <laughs> yeah. Be so, safer. <laughs> yeah. The crew cut man pulls up onto the road in his car and as they pass by, Scully gets a look at his face and she said, Mulder asks, like, what is it? And she says, oh, I know that face. And Mulder's just like, what? Like, what do you know? And then we don't find out. 
Then we cut to Graham County Sheriff's Station. An officer sits Gerd Thomas down and Sharon walks out. Mulder closes the door and Scully sits down. Um, Mulder is leading this interrogation and says that it's quite a video library you've compiled by for yourself. I especially like the one with little boys. And he's <laughs> like, I know, I'm a sick man. And he's just like, oh, fuck. no. At least he's honest. Yeah, yeah, true. But I'm like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from me. Get him in the bin. So Mulder sits down across the table and he's like, no. Like, men who know they're sick try to get help. You just get right at it for years. He's like, I didn't mean to hurt anyone. <laughs> I'm like, oh god. And Mulder asks if he kidnapped those kids, and he says yes. He says, Are you prepared to confess to those crimes? And he says yeah. And Mulder asks about the murders of Rick Mazeroski. He's like, nope, like I never murdered anybody. Mulder opens up a folder and takes some pictures out, and he stands and walks like around Thomas, and he asks if he kidnapped them. He puts down two pictures in front of him, and it's the close-up of like Rick's body and the words he is one. He asks if he wrote this on his back and he looks like shocked. He's just like, oh my god. Mulder tells him to answer the question and he says like, no, I never killed them, never killed anybody. I really loved those kids. Mulder asks, is this how you express your love for them? And he like, so he puts down another picture of Rick's face um, as we saw him when he A hole in his head. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to think. <laughs> I can't think the way to phrase it, yeah. <laughs> And he like shoves Thomas's face towards it. He asks again if he kidnapped him and did you write that on his back? He starts shouting like, yes, yes, I did. Mulder asks why and Gerd Thomas says because of what he had become. Mulder asks what he had become and Gerd Thomas says that it's because those kids have become monsters. And Mulder's like, you're not making any sense. Like, you make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, I love this Mulder. Yeah. And he's just like, no nonsense. Like that quote of Scully, she's like, this is how I like my Mulder. Yeah. Uh, so Gary Thomas goes on to say that because of Dr. Larson, because of the tech, and Scully's mind drifts off, and in her flashback, she sees the crew cut man driving his blue car, then it cuts to him driving the white van, and that's like when he shot Deep Throat, and the gunshot echoes in her mind, and she excuses herself. So she stands up and walks out, and Mulder looks over at her, and then he looks back at Thomas, and he just like, calms himself down and sits back down across the table. So Mulder says, okay, what test did he do? And Thomas says that Dr. Larson was using those kids as guinea pigs and he was using us too. Mulder asks what he means by that and he says that it was to inoculate the cattle. Mulder asks if it was with growth hormone and Thomas says, I don't know exactly what it was, but he was paying us a lot of money to do it. Mulder then goes on to say, so you're saying that Dr. Larson was paying paying you a lot of money to inject the cattle with something you, and you didn't know what it was. Scared Thomas says that not until later, not until after all those rapes. Dr. Larson told my boss that he felt responsible for everything that those kids had done and that he was giving them the same inoculations. Mulder asked if Dr. Larson was involved in the kidnapping and he says that no, he didn't want his secret to come out. He didn't care about those kids like me. So Scully walks back in the room carrying a folder and she calls Mulder over. And he gets up and goes over to her. Scully says that she thinks he's telling the truth. I don't think he killed anybody. And the personal space in this scene is non-existent. Non-existent. Like, literally, <laughs> the strands of the hair on the top of their head are touching. They <laughs> occupy the same space. Yeah. They are, they're a, they come as a set and they should not be separated. Yeah, not to be sold separately. <laughs> yes. Mulder asks how she can be sure. Scully says that she just got the toxicology report back on the broken vial, the residual substance, couldn't be analysed because it contained synthetic, which is corticosteroid? Sure. Before you want to say corticeps there, I was like, mm, last of us. <laughs> <laughs> it was unidentified amino acids. That's purity control, Mulder. So they walk out the room and Mulder like, motions towards the deputy for him to go back in. And he is like freaking out. He's like, do you know what you're saying, Scully? 
And she says that the band that died in that plane crash was inoculating those kids with antibodies derived from what may have been an extraterrestrial source. And Mulder's just like, he's been injecting those kids with alien DNA. <laughs> and she's like, no, Mulder, calm down. That was never proven conclusively. But have they been shooting up the cows with the same stuff? Or are the cows just yeah. getting the bovine stuff? Oh, wait, um... I'm so confused what any of this has to do with Like, it's so stupid. Like, I do not know what Chris Carter was doing yeah. in this episode. It just seems so contrived and convoluted. I'm yeah. just like, what's going on? I can't really make sense of it. I don't care enough. Yeah, I don't care enough. But Mulder says, oh, but that's the same stuff we found in the Erlen Meyer flask, isn't it? The same material my deep throat contact died for. Scully confirms and says yes. And he's like, oh, it all makes sense. And I'm like, makes sense to you. doesn't fucking make sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> he says, oh, the money in the briefcase. Then they've been conducting an experiment here. Somebody's been paying to have those kids injected with alien DNA and see how they'd react. It's been going on for years. Scully asks if that man knows anything about it. And Mulder says that, nope, he's just some poor soul who blew their cover. I don't think he knows any more than he's telling us. Scully says, well, I think his boss must have because they just found him shot to death at a cow pasture. And Scully says that she thinks you know who... She- Oh my goodness. Scully says, I think I know who shot him, Mulder. That man I recognise on the road today, that's the same man that executed Deep Throat. And Mulder just kind of like blinks her and he's like, well, whoever's behind this, he's here covering his tracks, he's going to go after those kids. You get the sheriff and meet me at Gary Kane's apartment. And then like he starts to leave and then he like stops and looks back at her and he's like, Scully, I want this guy alive. <laughs> so dramatic. Yeah. So he pulls up to Beth Kane's house and um, he gets out and asks where Gary is. Um, she says that he's in his bedroom and he's like, pack some clothes, I think he's your knees, like, you're all coming with me. And she's just like, what? And he's like, I'll explain later. I'm like, okay. Like, okay. <laughs> Do we really need to bring the kids though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's like, yeah, pack up your life she, and then she come with me. just won the lottery. Running away with Mulder. <laughs> So a police car pulls up and the sheriff gets out and he says that those, he, as he's going down the stairs, he says that those credit card numbers, every kid's family uh, was listed. Get them packed up and call out every man that you've got. And the sheriff asks where they're taking them. So he cuts to Richard Oden's house. He opens the door to see Mulder standing there and Mulder says, I need your help. And he's just like, at fourth. And Mulder says, it may offend your religious sensibilities, but it could help save some kids' lives. So we cut to the Church of the Red Museum. Delta Glen, Wisconsin. The townspeople are filing into the main building. On the other side of the room are the followers of the Red Museum. And like everybody keeps moving in. So does the sheriff. And Scully walks over to him and asks, where's Mulder? And he says that he told me to make sure that the kids were safe. He thought there was some other place this guy might be. So we cut to J-A-S-D Beef. Mulder gets out his car and walks into the building. He like reaches out, puts the lights on, and he walk as he's walking through, he stops and sees like a trail of like some kind of liquid on the ground. And of course, in true Mulder fashion, he kneels down <laughs> and like s- s- sniffs it right away. <laughs> of course. So he's following the it's path. Like, just let me lick this real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see. So he's following the path. He sees like red gasoline cans. I There's... see red. <laughs> he keeps walking through there's more cans and then when he goes into the room he sees the crew cut man holding one he shouts at him to stop right there but he doesn't even look back the crew cut man just bolts so Mulder chases after him and he's like looking under the meat and everything trying to find him and then he just like swings out of nowhere on a meat hook and like knocks Mulder over <laughs> knocks the gun out of his hand so he runs off and Mulder chases after him um, he takes uh, actually he chases after him and he locks him in a room 
So the crew cut man takes out his lighter and turns it on, but Scully and three officers walk through the door behind him. She aims her gun and tells him not to move. He tells put it down, and the guy just smiles. She's like, putting the lighter down, and before he can do anything, the sheriff comes in, like, holding his shotgun, and just starts blasting, basically. Yeah. <laughs> He just starts blasting. Like Scarface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Mulder, hearing the shot, starts freaking out and he's like, hey, let me out. And once he does, the sheriff keeps firing at the crooked man's dead body and he keeps firing until he's out of bullets and he starts to cry. I was so shocked when he died. I was like, I thought he was in the series longer than that. Ah, so did I. I thought like, he was I thought he had like, a bigger part. Mm-hmm. So did I, to be fair. And then I was like, oh shit, I forgot you could go and kill them in this. <laughs> yeah, so a deputy unlocks the door and Mulder comes out and tells him to get the sheriff out of here, get everybody out of here. And there's like a wee comment, it's like, oh, like, the place is about to blow. So the deputy grabs the sheriff's arm and walks out with him, who does not look away from the crew cut man the whole time. Oh, uh, then we get a scully. Yeah. Over. Basically, like, she gives the file number, says that Denny, the man shot in the slaughterhouse, is yet to be determined. He's not like on record anywhere at all his fingerprints aren't even on file and at this time it's doubtful that anyone will come forward to id or claim the body in the church of the red museum it like kind of pans over everybody as she keeps talking <laughs> and it's a whole thing again she was talking i, I wasn't listening because it's, like, <laughs> it's yeah it's a chris Carter voiceover well, how can i summarize this says the the under further than that analysis the inoculant found in the vials determined to be an unstable antibody of no known biological origin blah 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 broken down structurally and cannot be analyzed further this coincided with the development of a severe and undiagnosed flu-like ailment affecting the children who are believed to be inoculated and some of the local families to date none of the members of the church museum have contracted this illness and she suspected that whoever was doing this may have been using them as a control group we cut to the shot of the open briefcase and it just says that the shipping man was believed to be milk and beef tainted by the unspecified inoculant do not provide enough information to track the destinations and then it cuts to a shot to Clay's barbecue which is a sign on it on the window which says closed until further notice and she says that there's been like a local quarantine that's been established further inquiry and the tainted beef has been promised by the pertinent government health agencies the old man who directed them towards the cattle farm in the first place is looking at the closed shop and on the voiceover Scully says the FBI investigation in this case is currently at a standstill the case remains open and unsolved and the old man drives off so I'm guessing the message we were supposed to take from that is alien beef is better than earth beef I think so yeah better for you that was it because I don't know if it was like pro vegetarian or pro meat alien. Like I don't think they knew. Yeah, I think you like Chris Carter just managed to offend both of them yeah. massively, as well as people that wear turbans. <laughs> and yeah, just very offensive. Yeah, not strong I, episode at as all. As always, Chris Carter. Yeah, it's like offensive stuff. A lot of rape in it. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. Well, I mean, there's like underlying storyline yeah. of people getting raped and all this. Didn't need that. No, didn't need to hear about that. Wish we could get away from it, but we've got the next episode coming oh, up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Where are we putting that one? Right at the bottom. Right at the bottom. <laughs> Lower than three? Yeah. Yeah. Because three's a funny bad. That's yeah, just... yeah, that's just terrible. Cool. That saves us going for that. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to read out the fans around there? Yeah. So, Kathy G came Kathy through. Kathy G! And... Kathy G always comes through. Yeah. Kathy G always delivers. Yeah. She's posted the clip of Muller wiping away the sauce of Scully's mouth and her little smile and she says can't wait to hear your thoughts on this <laughs> they may as well just climbed over the table and fucked each other yeah. <laughs> she just did it right there on top of this I'm sorry we need more salt <laughs> yeah. yes that's it mm-hmm. so so what we used to do just close it off yeah yeah
So remember, you can follow us on Twitter at the MSR Files Pod, or you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the MSR Files Podcast, and you can send your emails with your own spooky stories to the MSR Files Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you in the next episode for Excelsior Day. Excelsior Day. I don't know. D Day. Ah, one of the two. Whatever. I don't care enough. About D-day. It. Not D Day, but yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> see you next time. Bye. Bye.